I'm looking at this light thing up there now, and I feel I can see some 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 breaks in it. And I say the light comes through that, but that's not the shape of the light. Mm -hmm. It has no shape. But when it hits the form, it has a shape. Mm. Or the light that comes first, it's just light is there. It has no color. It has no shape. It has no no form. But it hits the prism, and then all its rainbows come out. And this prism is the mind. Consciousness, the pure consciousness, the light of it—it's no, it's got no color, but it hits the the body mind, you know, mm. and suddenly all these rainbows come. The rainbows—they owe their their existence to that formless light, yeah. you know. And if you trace all those colors, it's like the blue is fighting with the red, and it says, "Oh, the, the the orange don't go with the with with the pink." Or, or the, mm. But if you trace them back, they come back to this colorless thing. Mm. In fact, this is a okay metaphor for the satsangs, in fact, because people are speaking on the basis of their differences. You know, but this is not this is not my experience. My experience is this. Oh yes, but I see this thing, and it looks blue to me. But yeah, yeah, but it's not mm. quite blue because when you come look, it's green now, and so on. You can stay like this. Mm. I say, okay, fine. Everybody moves earlier than the prism. Don't talk about the prism. Don't include the prism. But how can we not include? Because we are the prism. He says, I am the prism. I say yes, but but something is aware of the prism. If there was no awareness of the prism, then you'd have to admit that well, I'm the prism because from here all the colors go. But if you are also aware of the prism, not just the rainbow, then your position must be elsewhere. Find out what that is. It's a simple thing. Um, maybe I think this kind of atma vaichara uh, introspection investigation is uh, created uh, by God to somehow that because in spirituality either people are doing it because it gives them a sense of achievement and you know and a kind of pleasure something to depend on but to still maintain the duality, but. When we come to the place of the um, this self-inquiry, the the ultimate discovery is is a non-dual discovery. But it doesn't destroy duality. In fact, it makes duality very harmless and beautiful. In fact, and I think the people who have this idea that duality, oh, you know, there's no such thing as duality, and they hurt themselves. Because you know you still have to go to the dentist and you owe him money, you have enough money. Everything. So that's all duality. Everything. Even to say there's non-duality, where do you get the reference for non-duality? It's from duality as well too. So it's just a kind of stupidness that you play in high school or maybe university, you know, mind or something. Because in life, if you pay attention to the to the life, which you cannot shut off life. Only thing is when you realize the source of it. When you realize and you are one with the source of it, it doesn't bite you. Why are we talking so much about life? Because it bites us. <laughs> Why you talk about it? Because it's like it's it's like it's something outside, and it bites you and it kicks you, it hurts, huh? 
and uh, and and yet we are we are deeply attracted to the movement of life. And uh, as I said, the, the 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 mind really has a dilemma because one thing is that somehow it hates change, but it totally loves life, and life is change. You see, <laughs> the mind hates change, is afraid of change, but it loves life. But life is change. Then something there is not change. That which in which life is seen, that in which what we call life is seen as movements, various movements, diverse movements, movement and non-movement are both seen. Then that which perceives both movement and non-movement, but itself is unmoving, and has no investment in any movement. That is the self. You see. And first, we come to an intellectual grasping of that, and there's a pleasure in the oh my God, yes, of course. But it's not enough. It's like you found a beautiful picture of ice cream, but you can't taste it. You say, "Oh, I like this one." Oh, look at oh, look at that one. But you can't. It doesn't smell like ice cream. Nothing is there. Now you have to really eat, eat the ice cream. You found the one you want, but you you don't yet have the taste. So how is this taste going to come now? You have to forget you. You have to go beyond the, the taster also. My feeling is that uh, in one way it is the most natural and simple thing. Mm. What I'm talking about is the most simple thing, natural thing. In one way I can say we shouldn't even have to talk about it. The fact that we have to talk about it, the whole humanity should be embarrassed. <laughs> for talking about this thing, because it is really obvious, no. And yet, it's the one thing that the humanity seems to be most afraid of discovering. And it's not a hellish discovery that underneath all of us we are all lizards. You know what I mean? It's not like that. It's like underneath all of this, there is the the pure, the pure being, and you can discover it today. And of this, we we are totally afraid. And who is we then? Such the most perfect thing that we can discover, and underneath it, we are afraid. If it was told to you, you know, well, ultimately, when you discover who you are, you know, oh my God, that's the end of days. It is so terrible. It is so terrible. We think we are so good, but underneath, we are just a bunch of cold-blooded lizards. Good for nothing. Absolutely a waste of time. And as soon as this life blows up, that's the end of you, wiped clean. The hard disk is wiped clean. But you're not told that. You said, but underneath all of this, you're something pure. There's a pure joy of being. There's a pure joy of being. The effortless peace, effortless joy. There's perfect harmony, unity is there. It is so naturally there that you don't even know the words about unity. You don't talk about unity and peace and joy. It's just there, it becomes natural, just like your breath is natural. And it is more intimate than your breath. So it's not intimate at all. What is one is not intimate. What is two can be said to be intimate. So all this we stand to know. And yet the greatest fear comes up in us. Biggest resistance. Like, oh, you know, no, no, suspicion. 
you're not suspicious about this world which is biting you you know but you're suspicious of the thing setting you free you know it's like a frog or a snake crossing the in the road and uh, you a human being sees this one and sees that there's traffic coming a big juggernaut is coming and they pick up the snake to carry him to safety and he bites the hand because he doesn't know that this thing is saving you bites him so our mind is <laughs> something the thing that comes to rescue you from sorrow you bite that it's not good look at it <laughs> who you think you are whole <laughs> witch and like this, so this this is why I say it must be a spell. Uh, and that's not to excuse the human instrument, because the instrument cannot do anything by itself. It's the consciousness inside the instrument, acting with the instrument, creating a partnership, a relationship of mistrust and everything that creates all of this delusion. We cannot blame the innocent body. The body is perfectly innocent. I feel it's so clear when you describe like the other night, say. Are you breathing? Did you ever breathe or digest or even think? All this is just the organs. Functioning. Yeah, they are functioning by themselves. They don't even need your help. They say, "Hey, Muji, can you help me? I'm struggling here." No, they are going by themselves. Everything is going by themselves. The sight in the morning, you get up. You don't have to kind of like you know, click the eyes into place or something. Yeah. Everything is there already. Said, How much do you pay for that? Which is worth yeah. so much more than any yes. camera, anything. Yeah, because we're buying beautiful things, beautiful paintings, beautiful artwork, but without the eyes that can appreciate them, what the hell are they worth? Nothing at all. <laughs> and you don't say, "Oh, thanks for my beautiful eyes," for the sight, you know. So we're really, uh, really soaked in, you know, you know, marinating in stupidness, and not seeing like that. But this is all to do with the sleep. As you're waking up, all all our natural senses come back again. Oh, oh, all the natural things are coming back again. So, and maybe that also, you know, maybe underneath, I don't know. Maybe someone was interviewing me yesterday, and he was saying, you know, we all know that you know we are perfect. And so I said, no, we don't. <laughs> we don't. You may have a hunch, but you don't know. You know something. There's something bigger than how it appears to be at the moment. But you don't know. And the purpose of life is to know, because he's saying, you know, why is it that you know, if we are all perfect and we are all the one, you know, why we have to go through all of this stuff? So the very fact that you think you have to go through it shows that you have somehow, you have separated from the truth. The fact is that uh, we are that, but in the life you have to be conscious of that. If you're not conscious of that, then it's effectively and experientially, you are not that. You are something else, and uh, I gave the example of growing up in Jamaica. And uh, as children, I remember this particular encounter when some tourists came and said, "You know, oh, you're living in such a beautiful country, such a beautiful. It's like, it's like a beautiful country. You're living in paradise. You're living in paradise. Look, look. She was going, talking to her husband like this, you know. But we don't know what they're. What she talking about is paradise, you know. I didn't even. Actually, it's probably the first time I heard the word paradise. But we knew that it was something nice because they were so happy, you know. But we just didn't forget about it. And five, six years after I left Jamaica and lived in the UK and travelled a little bit, I had to go home. I went home after six years. And then somehow I think from nineteen sixty nine I came to 
the UK. And in 1975, I went back to Jamaica. And coming around this corner, there's a turn that you come around this corner, and then the whole bay area of Port Antonio comes in. It's beautiful island and sky and the hills, and it's beautiful. And then I turned around and I said, oh, This is paradise. <laughs> you see? Before, in your innocence, you don't know it is paradise. You don't know what it means because you're there, you're one with it, you don't know anything. And originally, we don't know anything. We think to know is a great thing, but the perfect, the perfection doesn't know it is perfect. You know, sometimes I was watching on on YouTube this um, the 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 talent show, and sometimes you see someone come and they sing a song and they are so amazing, but the person is so humble and so naive about their own talent. And the people say, the judges say, you know what the greatest thing is that you don't even know how great you are, yeah. Because you know the ones who know how great they are. Right? <laughs> <laughs> they know how great they are, or they think they know how great they are. But somebody come and they're a bit nervous and they sing, and there's just this amazing thing. Or some housewife come, you know, she looks like she's coming from the market or something, <laughs> and she come on stage and everybody's going, "What's she doing here?" And then, Blah! oh my God, what is this? That they don't know how great they are. And. You can say that maybe the pure awareness self, it, the pure, the pure God, doesn't know how great it is. It doesn't need to know. Such is the nature of innocence. It doesn't need to know how great. It simply is happy. It's happy in itself. But it needs to somehow manifest all of this. It cannot separate to have experience in reality because it's always one. So it, the only way you can achieve it is to dream, to dream it. And it dreams the notion of otherness. All these bodies, and each one will put a me, a sense I in all of them. And they'll all know themselves as I, and they will all think they're different eyes. Huh? I just gave an example just now. We're looking at this light. And if you imagine this paper shade, it's got lots of different holes, lots of different types of holes, some diamond holes, some round holes. And then suddenly the light goes on, and all of them, you know, it like each each hole it represents a different being. And we say, "Oh, I love this one. Oh, you're so beautiful. Look at your light is so beautiful." But it's one light behind all the different holes. And so somehow to have this, this the light, one light is manifesting as all these different holes. They all look like they're all sources within themselves. Each hole, each shape is acting like a source, but it's sourced from the same one thing. You see, this is the only way. So this thing of coming, and then I could not appreciate somebody saying, "Oh, but you live in paradise." Or what is that? Anyway, come on, kick the ball, George. Come on, <laughs> and I forget about it. Then years later, to myself, see and feel for my own self. Ah, this is paradise. So, in order to appreciate that, you have to go and see what is non-paradise, or you know what is something very, very different. And it looks like that is a very poor. It is a nice metaphor for the self. Like it has to somehow experience this dichotomy. It has to experience this diversity, this conflict, these tensions, 
belief and disbelief it has to bring resistance so it's fighting against itself almost but not but it cannot fight against itself knowingly only unknowingly then as knowledge begins to enter itself you see it loses the power of conflict because it's, it's being one you see You can't fight against yourself. I remember one time I you don't do it anymore, but I was telling him off sometime. I just catch him at doing something that's not right and I tell him off. And one time he's hitting himself. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah, I was talking to him, what are you doing? You know, you what's all this craziness you're doing and he's oh, yeah, I guess sorry. <laughs> I said, Stop it. Like that. That's not it. You cannot you're not really hitting yourself. Something is there that knows that's watching this. You can't fool me. But don't do this stupid thing. The body is innocent. Hmm? So if you're beating the body, you're not beating yourself, actually. You see. Nothing can beat the self. Something can only beat the self image. You cannot beat the self. Growing into emptiness, going from something into emptiness into nothingness. That is the illusion of growth, of the evolutionary outcome, evolutionary path, takes you to what you've always been. But the thing is, we don't value emptiness until you are there and then it is priceless we have put value only on something only can put value on something that you can compare to another thing and say this is 2 rupees this is 5 what do you think i think this one should be 7 because you have a quality but how you put value on that which is beyond quality is priceless Gyani knows this, but it doesn't have to go further with that knowledge. It's enough. It is so fresh and so thorough. It doesn't have to become deeper and deeper. No, it's not deeper and deeper for them. One touch and the whole depth, everything that is measurable, is transcended already. You have to go deeper and deeper. Deeper and deeper and deeper means you have to start going in your mind again. That creates measurement. Empty. Which part of emptiness is most empty? This is the power, the insight, like that. All our conversations, they should turn out to be introspections, actually. True conversations. They should all reflect the self. If your conversation only reflects phenomenon, always going out, always leaving you somehow resting on some object, some intention, you finish your conversation, your communion is with some object. So it's always a relationship with something. 
What about if it threw you beyond all those relationships back into your stillness again? Then has it killed your senses? No, your senses are still vibrant. Everything you can do. You can be talking about the deepest thing in the whole universe. And next minute somebody says, Your eggs are ready. Oh yeah, okay, right. Come on, let's go. And it creates no change in you at all. You don't say, Listen, do you know how profound our talk was? How do you talk about eggs? You should be talking about scriptures. No, 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 it doesn't matter. Because for the self, it doesn't make a difference, or some things are more near to self than others. In the pure mind, it doesn't. It can change gear any number of times. I just read that the last words of Bhagavan was, "Did the peacock? Where uh, did you feed the peacocks?" Because mm. we often quote. He said, "Where can I go? I cannot go anywhere." But but he said that much earlier. Yeah. When they ask him, "Oh, please don't leave us," he said, "But where can I go? I am always here." But the thing is that then now they have to understand what that means. <laughs> you see? They have to understand what does he mean? He's always here. He's, he's going. <laughs> where is he going to where he can speak? I'm always here. The last word, last word, everybody. What's last Bhagwan's last word? He's gonna reveal something. Have you fed the peacocks? <laughs> oh, this is a bit that's not sad. Anticlimax, what kind of last word? Huh? Where's my bag? Huh? Where's my bag? Where's my bag? <laughs> <laughs> is it yours? No, it's Muji's last words when he got on the train. <laughs> 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 Who's going to put my bag? <laughs> 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 because the mind is always dressing up for some stage. You know, we are. There are some people they live their life by they're like a they're like a production. They have some act they have in their mind, and they project it, and they want people to live out this, their stage performances somehow. Do you see that? This or not? You met people like this. They have already got a sort of way in which our relationship should work. I think we're doing something. Uh, we all do it, no? So at least admit, no? So we all hold, you know, this is how it should be. This is what a man should be like. This is what a woman should be like. So hmm. Now let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and then somebody doesn't want to play. I don't want to play this game. I'm not like that. Oh, you're not very good. Find somebody else to play in my play or something. Then the Gyani is not going to conform to that. Never feel that a day is not a good enough day to realize the truth. Sometimes you can go by twelve, you know, then after this, then tomorrow I'm going to do this. If tomorrow you're going to go and fix your car, today you're not going to realize yourself. Because your intention is already tomorrow I'm going to fix the car, you know, already have to wait, maybe would have to wait until Tuesday. If you say, you know, I want to spend the next six months searching for the truth, it's going to take at least six months. Because you already fill up your psychic space with intention, I'm going to I'm going to spend this time. Then you really give the mind six months visa. You got six months, and you know he's not going to do it. Five months and you know, thirty, twenty-nine day. He's uh, the last minute to close the door. You know, like this, and then say, "Oh shucks, sorry." You know, like this. We are playing this game with ourselves. We have to say sometimes we are playing this game with ourselves. And when someone like a Gyani remind us. 
and expose our game, we feel very uncomfortable. Then you want to kill them. That's what happened with Jesus. Now they want to kill him because he speaks simply speak the truth. He shows them, you know, you know, ha 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 ha. Look, you're doing this thing, but look what you're doing. Ha ha. You don't like it at all. <laughs> Very provocative. Yeah, like Shabbat is made. Yeah. It's made for man, not man for Shabbat. Yes, 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 yes. One time, he and his disciples walking through some field, and they were hungry. So it was a cornfield, and they start to take some corn and start to shell the corn, eating this corn. The disciples, and then one Pharisee or somebody came to him and said, "You know, you're a rabbi. How you let your followers, you know, are eating on the Sabbath day?" So he said, "Listen, I know about you. You are you are a farmer. You have cows. Huh? If one of your cows fall into a hole on the Sabbath day, will you leave him until Sunday?" <laughs> you know, he says, "Yes." He said, "Listen." Uh, the Sabbath was made for mankind, man, not mankind for the Sabbath. So simple thing. So you put the rule before you. But if you know who you are, then you may use the rule may serve you, but you don't use the rule to put it on your in your head. You know, and constantly showing their, you know, you remember this story. I don't know if it's Mary Magdalene. I think I don't know. Remember she was. She was chased. A woman is chased by a crowd of people, mostly men, or maybe all all men. But no, there's always a few women in there <laughs> to stir things up a little. <laughs> and they are stoning. They're throwing stones. They want to kill her. And she happened to run in front of the Lord, and she she saw him, and she didn't have anywhere to go, and she felt his feet. And all of them come with their big rocks and everything to kid to beat to stone her to death. That was the custom in those days. And as they're about to stone her, uh, he says, "What is what's going on here?" You know, they said she is not a good person. She has committed a sin of adultery. She's she's done something wrong there, and her punishment is to be punished by death. This is what is written in our custom. You know, and she said, "Okay, okay, very good, okay, <laughs> but let the one among you who is without sin throw the first stone." Isn't it? It's good. Okay, you kill her, stone her. Okay, she's here, stone her. But let the first one to throw the stone be the one who is without sin. And right there, uh, <laughs> <laughs> dropping their stones, <laughs> because they know if the one throw a stone, you say, "Hey, but no, I know him. <laughs> you know, he last year he stole my donkey. Yeah, he can't be somebody to be so, you know." So if she is so sinful, you be the one who is sinless. Then you can throw a stone at it. So they dispersed, but they never forget. You see, you know that guy who embarrassed us. You know, to get rid of him. <laughs> simple wisdom. Simple wisdom. Now it's good because with YouTube you're a bit safer. You can stone the screen. Uh, at least you're reliable with these type of comments. <laughs> Smash the screen. Yeah. 
Uh, do you think the world is more ready to listen to these things now? Because still today, some, some women get stoned for adultery. It still happens. Why you pick on that? No, just Everything stupid is still happening. <laughs> <laughs> People say, oh, but the children say, but why just the children? The whole lot is stupid. <laughs> you have your favorite cliches and your favorite examples. But, uh, you know, what? There's wars everywhere. Even where there's no wars, there are wars happening in every room, in every hotel, in every bedroom. How are you going to get rid of it? In every head. In every head. In every head. <laughs> yeah. In every head, in every bed, the wars are going on. <laughs> How are you going to stop it? <laughs> Isn't it, is it going on? Because it's going on in our heads, no? Yes, it's the it's only way w reason why is it going on still outside, no? Yes, it is like that. I don't know, because let's suppose we were all awake in that sense. Would there be no more earthquakes? It's a good question. Let's suppose everybody was awake on the planet. Would nobody be killed by a lion or an alligator? Would there be no earthquakes? Would people stop dying? Would there be no more cancer in attendance? Let's try. Hmm? But maybe there would there would be <laughs> earthquakes, <laughs> earthquakes or people eaten by alligator. But maybe the wars and the, like this abuse and all this. Yes. Won't be here. Yeah. But the nature still would maybe give some earthquakes. But and also, if the if the human kind is awakened, why leave the animals out? They'll have to be awakened too a bit, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Why should we get the only? It was also the lion needs to be awakened. Also, the frogs and the tigers, the buzzards, everybody need to be awake. Why just single out the human being of the advantage? Mm -hmm. but sometimes you say the animal they don't have that song. And yes. It is true. They have to evolve enough to have satsang. In the meantime, they are perfect in another way. Mm -hmm. But there are still some mind material is there. They have to evolve to the level of stupidity, of developed <laughs> stupidity, to then have the craving for contemplation. That's a nice future, isn't it? <laughs> 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 if we are where they are all heading. <laughs> Apart from Vibhuti, Vibhuti can do is a good example. Vibhuti is, is, is the Lakshmi of our present time. Because <laughs> so she was totally coming to satsang, and there was no doubt about it, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. There was absolutely no doubt that this donkey enjoys satsang. <laughs> Because whenever I even uh, the, the, the satsang was, uh, I was, I remember even in in, Mos in Mos not Moscow, maybe in one of these Poland, Ukraine. in the Ukraine, mm -hmm. she was there watching the satsang <laughs> on the screen, <laughs> and and having reactions also mm -hmm. to some things when her stuff came up, you know, <laughs> yawning, yawning. <laughs> She was totally in satsang, and I knew it this also. I there remember one time you, you and we were walking down, and yeah. she was standing in the triangle. Mm. And as soon as you came close yeah. to her, she started to yawn, 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 yawn. And then, and th this is this is a very strong uh, phenomenon. 
this yawning is a very strong, not many people know about it. It's an alleviation of tensions, especially tensions due to our mental habits, <laughs> emotional, psychological habits. You know? And uh, many times, even when I used to go to church, many people in church, and then the people with them go, like, stop it, stop it, you know? Like, because they interpret like it's laziness or tiredness or that you're bored. But actually, it is an alleviate. I know you start now. I start always when you speak about it. Yes, yes, yes. Because it triggers this also. And then, like this, it's coming out. Lots of, lots of trapped energies are coming out like that. Yearning yoga. Yearning yeah. yoga. Yearning yoga. I was always remembering when she first came, she was full of a lot of movement and edginess, sort of nervous energy and stuff. And as she came one time, remember inside, inside she must have yawned a hundred and ten times. <laughs> she could not stop. Uh, there was no word. There was no space to put any words in. She was just yawning, yawning. And after she came, so amazingly peaceful. To be empty of this, this energies. Also, sometimes you you're making your inquiry. As some clarity comes and insight comes, you find same thing. More and more it comes. It takes place like that. And she was demonstrating somehow unintentionally this this understanding was taking place inside her. <laughs> you know what happened? I'll tell you what happened. Many years ago, when when the, when these uh, these uh, this kind of phenomenon was first taking place for me, and because I, I knew nothing at all. And after this, this, this burst from inside, all these things came, came very vividly, like an education from inside, to tell me what all these things were like that. Because I would go to some place, like sometimes I walk into the bank or something, and everyone in this <gasps> and start to talk like about God, and it was amazing. I said, "Am I imagining this or what?" <laughs> because the people were talking, and you know, how are you? And being very, very nice, and oh, God bless you, and all this kind of stuff, talking like that. And I saw that it was the spirit of God that was somehow uh, spreading through the the place. Because I never make up this. I don't know about that in those days. In a bookshop, <gasps> went to college, and uh, was teaching in college. Sometimes I start to talk before art class. I would talk a little bit about the project we were doing, and everyone <gasps> start to go to sleep. And say, oh my God, I can't uh, because the head of the department was the next office, and sometimes she'd come and open the door, and go, hello, and looks like surprised like this, and then everybody's. <laughs> I felt very uncomfortable that she would do this and discover that uh, what's going on. <laughs> I'm saying, you know, like a special project. So, so from this point, I started to feel very uncomfortable. I didn't want it. And even I went to my mother's church. I said, I don't want to go. She asked me if to come. I said, let me sit by the door, because I was afraid that these things, because they're happening in spite of me. I was feeling like that. I wasn't having any intention. I would just sit, and it all started to happen like that. And so powerful, all these uh, things were happening in those days. I've been to many places to see some injustice happening, and immediately, somehow, something was present and changed changed the the, the behavior of people and everything. 
even once during during the uprising in Brixton, these riots in Brixton, I was in a car driving down the front line. It was big. They were stoning every car in the night and throwing, you know, petrol bombs at all the cars coming down. And we were caught in a line of cars coming down like this, and they were throwing, throwing stones at the cars. So nobody can see who's in the car. We are coming down, and as we as we are passing, they take the stuff and somebody just pull back. They could not throw the stones because of this. This and this power is in you. If you make that your your holiness, you are discovering abandon this this false idol of ego. Throw everything unto God. Throw everything unto into the emptiness. Not to get. Miracles back. You don't just do it. At a certain point, you just feel you know you can either you cannot stand yourself anymore, or somehow you feel this urge inside because you are touched by that inner spark and it's so powerful. You know nothing, no senses have brought this to you before. No experience has brought this taste to you before. Nothing on this planet has brought this taste to you before. That lights you up from the inside. Shine through your eyes, through your senses, everything. So when you find this, you give. Every, you're willing to give everything up for the first time in your life. You realize, all oh, my life I've been a miser, because nothing in life has, has has compelled me to give everything up, including my own life. And this gives you the something inside to give your old self up to this. And that was the attitude that happened for me when I say I walked out of my life. I mean that I just I gave everything to God. I said, this, "Don't test me because you know I'll fail. You know because I don't have any willpower. I do not this type. I'm not a great meditator. I do nothing at all. I'm pretty ordinary. So anything is to be achieved. You have to achieve it. Give everything back to you. We're going to take care of you. <laughs> and that worked beautifully for many years. I'm moving in this thing. I don't worry about. Don't plan the next day, the next moment. Don't plan anything." I was in somehow experimenting with my life, like that, and somehow it led the way. This is where the confidence came to tell each person, "Don't worry about that. all these things. Don't worry about that. It's rubbish. Waste life. Waste time." You know. And uh, as I told you about the expression of Vishnu, Brahma, and Shiva, they don't uh, of the tree. Then, if you have to choose, you choose. Let your heart choose Shiva. Vishnu is still engaged with taking care of the world. This is okay. This is also this is also our power. Vishnu is a Vishnu power in us. This is the Brahma power in us. But Shiva say, forget about all of that. Let that go on. But you come to me here. You know me here. That's all I want from you. Then everything else. It's fine. You'll be sinless. You give your heart and your mind to your to the self. And everything, don't you worry about it. I will consume everything, including time.
Shali.